welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, and thanks for making a commitment to learning. As always, um, happy, what, this would be the first week of March? Is it the first week of March? It's the first week of March. Wow. It's almost spring. Holy moly. <laughs> I am your host, Jordan Porter, along with the wonderful Yvonne Brandenburg. Hey, guys. And we are still recording together in person, so it's a little <laughs> weird, but this time we're not at my dining room table. <laughs> so now we're, we're in a, we're in a, kids room so yeah. hopefully hopefully it sounds okay today fingers crossed yeah <laughs> <laughs> only because the children are actually home so we have to hide a little yeah <laughs> so this week's episode is going to kind of launch into our cool like hematology series that we're going to do but we do have a little bit of housekeeping to do prior to starting um we had a wonderful review on itunes from Tex mama she says, as a small animal internal medicine tech myself, I am in love with a podcast that is put on by two VTSs in SAIM. Jordan and Yvonne both have great personalities, are very easy to follow along with, and share their extensive wealth of knowledge and tips with us all. I'm so happy to hear new episodes and learn things from points from their points of view. My doctors practice a lot of great medicine, but it's always interesting to hear how other doctors and techs do the same procedures, but slightly different. Keep up the great work, ladies, and please keep the episodes coming. Aww. Which I did find very nice. And I agree. I mean, like, I learn how to do things a little differently from you, so. Yeah, same. It's it's interesting because we do practice the same medicine, but things are just a little bit different. And it's yeah. fun to, you know, get those tips and tricks that you're like, ooh, I'm, I'm, I might have to incorporate that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I appreciate the review. We both appreciate the review. Um, it's very nice. We, we enjoy it. And we don't know who Tex Mama is. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So, Tex Mama, if you want to tell us who you are, <laughs> we'd appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Watch it be someone we like should know really well. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it very well could be. Yeah. So, this week we will be discussing just basic hematology. Kind of before we dive back in, we're going to do like a refresher on what makes up blood, basically. But hopefully it won't be as bad as school. I don't think so. I did leave out a lot of the boring parts right? when I did these notes. Like I tried to, I was like, nah. <laughs> like, I know it's kind of, it's funny because Jordan and I, we both, like last night over dinner, we were kind of talking about how much we hated hematology in mm-hmm. school. Like hated it. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember how long it was, but it was a long time. And now it's like one of my favorite subjects, which is, is yes. which is ironic. It is one of I my really favorite. I really hated it in school. So yeah, we're just going to kind of do a brief overview on just kind of a refresher as to, again, what makes up blood. So I'm going to talk about the plasma, white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, um, and what they all do. But I'm not going to go into details about like what you should be looking for in a smear because that's going to come up. Yeah, we're going to break that down a little bit further, I think, in the other episodes. Yeah, so so we're just going to keep it it light and hopefully not too boring. So blood is composed of plasma, which is the liquid portion, red blood cells, erythrocytes, white blood cells, which are leukocytes, and platelets, which are thrombocytes, if you all remember from tech school. Or if you are just learning, we do have a couple of listeners who said that they're just now learning. Yeah, so I guess this would be good for them. And a lot of the 
a lot of this comes from, like I said, I'll get into kind of the details, but we're, I'm going to touch on bone marrow because it makes up the blood. It's what makes up the blood. Yeah. Um, you can't really talk about the hemopoietic system without talking about bone marrow because that's the start of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So bone marrow fills the space within the bones and is made up of two different types, red bone marrow and yellow bone marrow. We don't really think about yellow bone marrow too much because it doesn't, well, it's not what we're going to touch on during this episode, so. Yeah, no, I. But yellow bone marrow consists primarily of adipose connective tissue or fat. It does not produce blood cells. So we're going to be focusing on the red bone marrow, which obviously it's red. Right. Because it is part of it. produce. Blood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because it's made up of hematopoietic tissue, which forms blood cells. And this makes up a larger... So what I found interesting, because I forgot this from tech school until I read this again, mm. that there's more red bone marrow in younger dogs than there is in older dogs. Like, as they grow older, they use less... Well, they need to produce less blood. Yeah. So and there's I, more yellow bone marrow And I think I, it makes sense in my head, too, because I think of, like, older, like, old people... Not older, but old people tend to run anemic as well. Yeah. And part of that is they just don't have as much of the red bone marrow to produce it. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. So our blood, though, whole blood I'm, I'm talking about, does, it has a it has lot so, of jobs. Yeah, it has a <laughs> lot of jobs. <laughs> and then I'll break down kind of the jobs of each cells as we kind of get through this. The main job of blood, in my opinion is that it carries oxygen, nutrients, and other essentials to every living cell within the body. Mm -hmm. Um, Oxygen is carried by hemoglobin, which is in the red blood cells. And then other nutrients and other essentials are usually within the plasma of the blood. Yeah, and we kind of touched on some of these. Like when we're talking essentials, that that can be hormones too. So we talked about that with like Cushing's and Addison's Mm -hmm. and a little bit with diabetes. When you got to think about about it too, that I think like when you think about what samples you draw from blood, like what tests you're running when you spin yeah. down the plasma and you're, yeah. you're looking at hormone levels from the serum or you're um, checking like electrolyte function from the plasma. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it makes sense when you put it all together, but when you go back and do the refresher, it's a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's funny. Um, th- when you go back and look at some of this stuff, you're like, oh, that makes sense mm-hmm. now that I'm not struggling to understand all of it like I understand some of the basics and now you can kind of put it all together so yeah and I think it's pretty cool it seems to stick more with me when I don't really need to know it I'm just like oh (laughs) like like, oh yeah I don't need to know that but now I know like my cemetery factoid earlier this weekend exactly yep (laughs) yeah and then blood also carries waste products from cellular cellular metabolism so our co2 um, away from the cells into other organs just to dispose of those wastes so we're you're mostly going to see that occur in the lungs and the kidneys because we know that those filter things. Obviously, the liver and everything else will do a little bit of a part too, but not mm-hmm. as much as the lungs and the kidneys. Yeah, it will. And one of the cool things like if, to remember too is like when we're talking about cellular respiration versus like um, respiration in your lungs. Mm-hmm. And so we have that oxygen and CO2 exchange, which is really cool. And yeah, um, yeah the plasma carries, it does a huge part of that. And we, we talked about the hormones, mm-hmm. right? So the hormones have to get from our endocrine glands to the rest of the body. And mm-hmm. so the blood is that transport medium. I always, I always thought of blood as being like the highway in yeah. the body and everything gets put on the highway with some kind of a 
truck system. So yeah, exactly. You, most of the times the blood cells are involved with that. But And then you have, you have your white blood cells that are going to come from bone marrow to the tissues too. So depending on the function of your white blood cell, right? Mm-hmm. The cleanup crew versus, yep. you know, the immune system versus all that stuff. So um, the white blood cells uh, need to get from where they're being made to where they need to go. Yep, exactly. And then platelets too. Um, the blood transports platelets to the site of any site of damage within or within or out of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then blood also aids in regulation of body temperature, which we know the hypothalamus controls that that setting um, yeah. <laughs> in oh, the brain. Hypothalamus, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, but your blood and the circulation of it just kind of helps control the body temperature. And then aids in just tissue fluid content. Um, so that's where we see like hemodilution versus hemoconcentration. That's where we see edema, even though a lot of edema comes from more of like the lymphatic system. But it all it all kind of goes along the same lines. And then aids in regulation of blood pH as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we kind of talk about this with like anesthesia, right? Mm-hmm. We have our blood pressure. And so we need to be able to manage that the the pressures and the flow of things and so i i think you know we we take our bloodstream for granted i think more <laughs> more than we think about it definitely um so it's 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 one of the important things in our body definitely. which is probably why we like it so much probably and it, <laughs> and it does everything like it yeah. does everything yeah and then so kind of breaking it down into like each part of blood then so plasma, that's composed of proteins like albumins, globulins, fibrinogens, water, of course, and other solutes like ions, nutrients, gases, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is going to be the bulk of your blood, basically. Yeah. I, I think, what is the percentage they say that it was like, like 70%? 70%? Yeah. Um, and then albumin is the, the most numerous, mm-hmm. right, in, in our blood, which is why we test for albumin to see what proteins are in, in your blood. And and it's funny because, um, I don't know if we talk about it here, but remember serum protein versus mm-hmm. plasma protein is a little bit different yeah. because things are bound up and then, so you can get different numbers on that. But um, yeah, a little bit. Um, and then I kind of, I didn't stick on plasma too much just because I wanted to talk about blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like red blood cells. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about plasma, I think, a little bit more in the... Like coagulopathies, yeah. S- um, ...session that we do. Yeah, that's when it matters. That's when it's big deal, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, everything else we do kind of touch on a little bit more in all the other sections as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, our platelets, um, I actually, I don't remember any of the stuff that I wrote down from school about platelets. So I found it pretty interesting. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I don't remember really studying platelets. It was Me just either. like, it causes clots. And yeah. And you're like, okay. Yep. Yeah. But that's all I remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so platelets are actually not complete cells. So they do say that they make up mm. the majority of like cells within the blood, but they're not actually a complete cell. Interesting. They are a piece of cytoplasmin from megakarocytes, which are produced in the bone marrow, because all of these things that we're going to talk about are produced in the bone marrow. Mm-hmm. And megakarocytes don't actually leave the bone marrow themselves, just the pieces to form platelets. So that's kind of interesting because um, 
so I just did that Evans talk mm-hmm. on VSPN. And one of the things that it was talking about is that you can treat with vincristine mm-hmm. to get more platelets out there. And it was talking about that it actually kind of breaks down the megakaryocytes into yeah. small cells. So that makes sense then. See? I just See? learned something <laughs> right now. But, um... And that's, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And that explains why, you know, when we get larger platelets, it's mm-hmm. because it's not broken down all the way to the small ones that we're yeah, used exactly. to seeing. And the larger platelets actually do tend to be more functional than the smaller platelets. Um, I know I always make notes of giant platelets, and it always seems to be when something has shocked a system and then the body's trying to, like, ramp it back up again yeah. and get those platelets out that I see those giant platelets. But... I also found it cool that the granules within the platelets, so if we, if you're familiar with looking at blood smears on a mm-hmm. daily basis or however frequently you do it, <laughs> the granules that you see within there, like the speckling, can they contain some clotting factors, which again, hmm. I should have known because like something's got to start the coagulation cascade. Right. Um, yeah. So it probably, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting that it contains it. But I mean, that makes sense. Like if you're forming a clot, you have a cell... And then it connects to the next one and it yep. probably releases at that point yep. and tells exactly. more cells to get there to form a bigger clot. Yeah. So and then it just like, it, it's the domino effect, which we will discuss when I talk coagulopathies in a couple episodes. And then platelets help nurture the endothelial cells. So platelets and endothelial cells, I always think of together. Like it's just, so it, it yeah. nurtures the lining of the vascular system. And then, That's interesting. Yeah. I, it was my... Th- like, I always connected platelets and endothelial cells. I mean, that makes sense because, it, you know, your endothelial cells are constantly being stretched mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's little tears that happen. So it makes yeah, sense little that micro your, tears. your platelets are going to help with just, like, little patches here and there. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then platelet plug formation, this is where we all kind of think of platelets. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's just that big platelet plug um, in an effort to stop hemorrhage. Uh, th- that's what we think platelets do. And then it starts the coagulation cascade. And then it can also contribute to fibrin formation, which again, we'll talk about when we talk about the coagulation cascade, because you need the platelets to start the fibrin and then like the fibrinogen and then the cascade. Um, yeah, so we will, <laughs> yeah, the 13 step cascade. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I learned quite a bit when making that section. Which is funny because I mean, even for me in clinic, I just, I just want to know if they're working or not. Yeah. And if there are any there. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise I, I'm like, okay, I only platelets. care about the number. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I'm going to go off on a little topic. I'm actually pretty fascinated with the macrothrombocytopenia. Have you seen those cases where it's like a genetic disorder where like greyhounds... Oh, yeah. Isn't it Cavalier King Charles that are predisposed to it? And greyhounds who will have like giant platelets, but their normal number is like 80,000. Yeah, so, so people will freak out about number, it. But it's like normal for them. Yes. Yeah. Such a trip. We saw um, a Commodore dog that had oh. had it too. And there's like a special test at a university that tests for it. Um, I don't remember. Oh yeah, I think I sent one off before. Yeah. I can't remember which university it's. We'll Not a lot of people do notes. it because when we when we get to that point we're like it's probably like normal for your dog because <laughs> right. it's in it's on the breed list. Right. Um, and it's an expensive test. Yeah, and you can I was going to say you can usually check coagulation mm-hmm. yeah, a we, different way. So like um we I don't know if you have it, but we have the tag no. The um, no, sorry. We have the um, VCM, which is the viscoelastogram uh-uh. thing. So 
you put blood in and it like gives you this really cool graph that shows how quickly the platelet forms and how long, or excuse me, how long the platelet plug takes to form and then how long to break it down. Oh, cool. Which it's like an hour long test. But I mean, if you've got a patient that you're like, are you hypocoagulable? Are you hypercoagulable? You can see that. And it doesn't just test like your PT, PTT. It tests kind of just the whole. Yeah, the whole cascade. Yeah, that's really cool. And then so kind of moving into our red blood cells. We briefly talked about how hemoglobin that carries oxygen. So that is a protein in the red blood cell actually makes them red and it enables them to carry large amounts of oxygen. When these red blood cells, well, when red blood cells are worn out, red blood cells are removed from circulation and then hemoglobin is broken down and released. And that breakdown of that hemoglobin actually forms bilirubin. Yeah, and, and remember that heme is iron, Yeah. right? So it's it's the iron within the red blood cell. And then the bilirubin that's released that from the lysed red blood cell, mm-hmm. right? If it's intravascular and there's a large volume of them, that's when we see jaundice things because mm-hmm. our bilirubin has gone up. Versus if it's, um, you know, extravascular, we wouldn't see that. So it's, it's I don't know, I'm dork and I think it's very interesting. Yeah, no, I studied <laughs> a lot the, like intravascular versus extravascular hemolysis mm-hmm. cascade for my VTS stuff. So yeah, I, I do have a fascination for the bilirubin and hemoglobin combo. And then most, most erythrocytes are produced in the red bone marrow, but the liver and the spleen can also play a part in hematopoiesis, but it just not a, a life-sustaining part. It's like you just need a little extra boost. Your liver's gotcha. Yeah, but- exactly. <laughs> And the spleen, I mean, that it's it's where a lot of them are stored yes Um, yeah so i talked about that a little bit actually so yeah the the spleen stores blood when the body doesn't need all the blood circulating so the body is capable of circulating every ounce of blood within Mm -hmm. if needed so times of like stress and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but when not all the blood is needed to circulate and function then the spleen will store it like a nice little sponge that will give it right back when needed. <laughs> yes, the spleen, like it's interesting. Um, when my doctors do splenectomy, a lot of times they like kind of smack the spleen a little bit. Oh, nice. Which causes the spleen to contract and yeah. push out the red blood cells. And then they do the splenectomy. As yeah. long as it's not like an emergency splenectomy yeah, that yeah. it's bleeding. But if it's not bleeding, there's just like mass on it. They'll just... They'll give the spleen little love taps, and um, you can actually see the spleen kind of, like, shrink up. That's really cool. It's kind of a trip. Yeah. And then, so, hematopoiesis, if you, again, remember from anatomy and physiology, (laughs) is, like, the production of red blood cells. I'm not going to go into too many details about that, because I don't want to bore anybody, but... I mean, I think it's cool. Can't we make it cool? We could. I mean, long story (laughs) short, red blood cells form in the bone marrow and are sent out to the body, um, which I do remember f- that, like, you're not actually supposed to see, like, nucleated red blood cells. Not very like, many. Like, immature no. red blood cells within the bloodstream. I think it's zero to one per high power field. Is, or it's, it's like, it's zero to one per ten or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's really low. Yeah, so if you see a lot, and we'll talk about that, too, in the red blood cell episode mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, but hematopoiesis is triggered by hypoxia. And then, so that can occur from shock, anemia, um, 
actual like hypoxia respiratory (laughs) distress bulldogs just like and that stimulates the kidneys to produce erythropoietin which stimulates the bone marrow then to begin developing red blood cells Mm -hmm. so there's my little yeah and it and it's one of those things too like so that's why like kidney cats right Mm -hmm. become anemic because They're the ones that, kidneys are what produces the erythropoietin, and if that's not being produced, then the bone marrow doesn't know that it needs to produce red blood cells, Mm -hmm. so we supplement it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the other thing I was going to mention is with hypoxemia, you you may not be able to tell a dog or a cat is hypoxic just by looking at them. So using an SpO2 monitor Mm -hmm. is going to be your best way to check if you can't get like an arterial blood gas, which... I don't know about you, but I don't do very many arterial blood gases in my clinic. No, we don't do those very much either. And then the lifespan of red blood cells, which is, this is the only cell that I talk about the lifespan of. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can just go back and mention that the lifespan for platelets is only, what, like seven to ten days? So (laughs) Yeah, it's very short, which is why we don't really, like, transfuse them. Yeah. Because... They usually don't survive. No, exactly. Um, um, but the lifespan for red blood cells in dogs is about 110 days, and then in cats is about 68 days. I'm sure, depending on what book you read, that number might vary a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the macrophages within the spleen remove aging and dead and abnormal red blood cells. And then sometimes if there is other abnormalities going on, that's when we'll kind of talk about a little bit more where you see that jaundice and stuff. The other thing to go with lifespan is... It takes the bone marrow about five to seven days mm-hmm. once it's been stimulated to go from stem cell to mature cell to push out. Yeah. Um, so that's just something to think about when we have patients in hospital. I, I think of it specifically with immune mediated because, right, yeah, we have constant. looking for the regeneration. <laughs> yeah. We have constant destruction. So we want to know when is the bone marrow kicking in. So it's it's that five to seven days is when. Yeah. It really should start ramping up. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. yeah that's when you want to look for that regeneration in those reticulocytes and stuff like that too, which we could do a talk on like reticulocyte counts. like a brief Yeah. Time. I definitely was going to talk about it in the red blood cell episode because yeah. it, you kind of have to understand it when you're looking for them, what the heck you're even looking for. So yeah. definitely we'll, we'll touch on reticulocytes. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the, bigger chunk of my hematology basics is our white blood cells just because there's so many different cells that make it up right um (laughs) so our white blood cells i'm sure everybody remembers consist of neutrophils eosinophils basophils monocytes and lymphocytes and then of course our lymphocytes i know we talked about this in i think the gi lymphoma episode about t-cells yeah and again i'm not an oncology tech so i don't (laughs) i'm not like i have the difference written out here um (laughs) But all white blood cell production starts out in the red bone marrow again. And this is based on like stimuli just to determine what type of cell the bone marrow is actually going to produce. So whatever Mm -hmm. type of reaction your body is having, that kind of determines what cell your bone marrow should make to combat that reaction. Exactly. Yeah. And then, but some lymphocytes, well, actually lymphocytes start out in the bone marrow, but they actually develop elsewhere. So that's in the lymphatic tract, which I'm sure we've talked about. I don't know if we definitely, if we talked about, you know, once they're released from bone marrow to where they go. I know we've talked about the lymphatic tract, but I don't think we said this is where they go. 
Well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, they start out in the bone marrow. Um, <laughs> so our white blood cells primarily work out in the tissues versus like within the body. Primarily, because yeah. when we think of white blood cells, so we think like it's pus. Like that's when you see your wounds and things like that. And um, yes, yeah, so you can have there's constant white blood cells within the body also working just to make sure that you aren't getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do primarily work out in the tissues. And then you got to think though too, like that means like in your nose. So when you yeah. have an allergen come in, <laughs> yep. like your white blood cells take care of it before it gets too far. Yeah. So starting off with our neutrophils. So their primary function is phagocytosis. So that's where they eat the bad things, mm-hmm. um, like Pac-Man, just wandering around your body, eating all the bad things. Yeah, and then, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, when you've, when you've looked at, like, CBCs long enough, mm-hmm. neutrophils are usually the ones that are up and we're like, oh, there's an infection going mm-hmm. on. Like, we need to figure out what's going on. So it makes sense that their primary job is to clean up the bad stuff, yeah. right? So, you know, you've got a bacteria that's come in, a virus, a, you know, some other infectious agent yeah right um it it comes through and cleans out your your system yeah exactly neutrophils are like the marine corps of like the military (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like, we're going in they're like the first ones in last ones out my dad would be so proud of me for that comment right now (laughs) there you go um and then our eosinophils so the function of eosinophils is geared towards allergic reactions, anaphylaxis, phagocytosis. So when I look at blood smears and I see an elevated number of eosinophils, I think allergic reaction to something. Yeah. And that's my go-to. Allergic reaction. And that can include parasites. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, that is, I think, one of the things that I learned in school that I was like, really? Like, but yeah, I mean, it can cause that reaction. Mm -hmm. Which we talked about when we talked about doing like our gut biopsies and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. how you have that like eosinophilic um, (laughs) biopsy result that comes back where it's just a very allergic gut. (laughs) So, and then basophil function is initiation of immune and allergic reactions. So we don't see a lot of basophils on blood smears. A, they don't like stain well from what I was reading, like they're water soluble, so they don't. Hmm. Yeah, but there's also just not as many circulating. Yeah, in the body. it's it's rare. I think I've seen ten, fifteen. Yeah. Total. Right. <laughs> Ever. Um. Unless it was like a mast cell, and then and then you yeah, see them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um. But yeah, you don't really see them, and they stain that dark blue color. Mm-hmm. So they are um, noticeable. And we usually have like everybody come look at it when we find mm-hmm. one. Because they have like bigger granules too. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our monocytes, which I mean, I see a monocyte. Oh yeah, like a handful of them every slide. So those are mm-hmm. more prevalent. And those, the function of those is also phagocytosis and process antigens. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do, like I said, I see those, I see probably like five per slide every, every time I do a diff. Five to 10. I think it's like five to 10% is kind of the normal. So yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. Um, and then our B cell lymphocyte is antibody production and humoral immunity. And then T cell function is lymphokine production and cell mediated immunity. So humoral immunity, cause we had to look this up cause, cause we got confused on it. So humoral immunity refers to blood-related immunity in which certain serum proteins play a role, so especially like antibodies, 
Whereas um, cell mediated is going to be within the cells themselves. So humerals like floating out in the fluids. And so this is stuff that, you know, gets into your bloodstream, but not into cells yet. So that's kind of where humeral, because I thought that was interesting where it was talking about the humerus, <laughs> which is your blood. And so humeral immunity is like the the fluid part has like mm-hmm. the immune system part in it. So yeah, kind of exactly. interesting. So this will be kind of like a short episode just because, again, it's just the basics. We're going to dive into the dysfunctions of all these cells in the next coming weeks. So, um, but however, I did make a note though, just because I see a lot of hyper segmented neutrophils, like I was, and then I realized like why, what I was doing wrong. So a hyper segmented neutrophil. So your neutrophils, you should see segments, but I think they consider it hyper segmented when it's over like five segments. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and that usually means that it, that that neutrophil has stayed in the peripheral blood longer than normal. Mm -hmm. So what this can also mean is either you're looking at an old blood sample so you let it sit out for too long because those those neutrophils still age as that blood sits in that tube (laughs) right just because (laughs) you don't take it out of the body doesn't mean they don't keep aging yeah exactly (laughs) um or there could be a pathological condition preventing neutrophils from leaving circulation Mm -hmm. um but i think a lot of times when i see it i i'm just playing around blood smears and making them from the fridge and like yeah and um so I was kind of researching some stuff, and I don't know. Do you know about Cornell's um, website, the Eclin Path? Mm-hmm. So they were talking about because it was talking about blood smears, and they were saying that ideally you should make a blood smear right away. Yeah, and then also send so your blood smears that you make right away plus the EDTA tube mm-hmm. to the lab to be reviewed. I don't always do that. I usually just yeah. send. My we we've gotten a lot better tubes. about it because IDEX like I called up to IDEX one time and was like what do you guys prefer like I know it says two blood smears they're like yeah but like once it sits in EDTA longer than I think four hours then there's like some abnormalities changes yeah, yeah to the blood cells that were noted but it couldn't be determined whether it was from the sample sitting or or an artifact of yeah exactly or, or something what, actually wrong or with the something pet. real yeah yeah so I. If I can't make my blood smear right away, I at least try to make it before I package it up to go out to the lab. Yeah. But. Which is, I mean, honestly, it's it's good to do that because it's it's practice for yeah. doing blood smears. Um, but the problem with that is you're technically not supposed to put it in the refrigerator, right? Well. The slides? I, I guess nobody's ever actually told me that. I think I asked and they said it wasn't a problem. They said it was fine. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's dried before you stick it in the fridge. Right. Okay. So again, kind of like a short episode, but we're going to lead into the question of the week. And now for the question of the week. And I like this question because we're dorks. Because we're dorks. Yeah. And hashtag, I'm going to answer this question. Wait, wait. On the hashtag I'm, I'm a nerd. nerd. <laughs> yeah. So the question of the week this week is, what is your favorite part about hematology? I know we didn't talk about it today, but my favorite part is coagulation. So I do, I do love coagulation, which we'll talk about, but that has its own like separate, separate episode. (laughs) I'm, I'm a big, um, 
I, I think I think for me it's red blood cells and yeah. like um, abnormalities with them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I see so much like IMHA and Evans. Mm-hmm. Like well, and you honestly, had a personal experience like, with uh, it. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. But I mean, even before that, I really liked just yeah. the immune mediated versions of them more so than um, other. Yeah, there is something so interesting about trying to figure out why the body is doing what it's doing to itself. Right. And getting it to stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, we can definitely, we'll post that question on our Facebook page group mm-hmm. and we'll post our show notes as per usual. But again, this will be like a shorter episode. We have better, more detailed episodes coming up here soon just to kind of discuss all the abnormalities that we do commonly see. Yeah. And I think um, knowing some of the resources that you have mm-hmm. for it. So I'm a big fan of Cornell's Eclin Path mm-hmm. um, website. Like there's so many tutorials on there. Definitely re- reference it. Um, IDEX, if you go to the, um, what is it? The IDEX Learning Center. Mm-hmm. They have some great resources there. Um, some books. I, ha- I think I have a couple of books in the library at, at work that I reference all the time to to say, what kind of cell is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, my notes today are courtesy of the Clinical Anatomy and Physiology for Veterinary Technicians textbook. Yeah, I from... think that's the first time we've referenced it officially, I'm right? pretty sure. Sh- I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I, I think um, I've seen on Facebook people go, when do I ever need my textbooks from school? Well, now. We're using it now. Yeah. And they're great for if you want to do presentations mm-hmm. or... You know. I've gotten rid of every other textbook except for that one. Yeah. And my hematology book, I think, and then, like, my lab book. Yeah. I've gotten rid of everything else. I'm a little disappointed my McKernan's, like, went missing. Oh. Yeah. But, you know. That's okay. I think I let someone borrow it. Yeah. I think I let someone borrow it, and then I never got it back. Same with, like, my... Don't steal a text tools, dude. I know. Same with my VTNE, like, review books, too. Those oh, disappeared, which, wow. I mean, thankfully, I don't think I ever need those again. Hopefully not. That would suck. Right? I would hope we don't have to sit for the VTNE again. <laughs> We're like, oh, sorry. I mean, I took that back when it was, like, on a Scantron, and I had to wait 12 weeks to get my results. And now they get their results same day. Oh, see, I had to take the California State exam, and then I took the VTNE... I don't know, eight years later, so it was mm. it was computerized. Oh, yeah, no, I had mine on a Scantron and a little packet of paper. and That's like, because we're old. Yeah. yeah we're old. <laughs> I'm getting that. <laughs> All right, guys, well, I think that does wrap up this episode. Um, like I said, lots of great stuff to come. We're very excited for this series. Yeah. I'm very excited. This is, this is a good one. We so, like it. Other than that, we will talk at you guys next week. And please keep listening, keep learning, keep letting us know if you have questions or if you want to hear anything. Mm -hmm. We have made some modifications to the website, just trying to make things a little bit easier. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we we appreciate all the reviews because you guys are awesome. Um, And if you don't mind sharing it with friends, just letting them know about the podcast, reaching more ears, that always helps too. All right, guys, we will talk at you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? 
Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.